Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Man, I, I love our team. They do such a great job in helping us to feast on Jesus. And welcome to Connect Church, where it is our, our heartbeat to connect everyone with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ, that together, for the next few moments, we get to make much of him. And so glad uh, that you are here now. As promised, I wanted to share with you some big news that we will, we will speak a little bit about today. And we will flesh out on June the 4th on that Sunday uh, with full visuals and a whole lot of details. But I wanted to celebrate with you today. Uh, Connect Church, we are under contract for land for our future home. Yeah. Man, it is... Uh, Man, we are, we are so excited about this location, and I can't share a whole lot about it now. Why? Because I, I don't know if you're, we're under contract for land, which means this. It's not final yet, right? It's, it's, not, it's not in our name yet, but I'm going to tell you something. It is, it is incredible. God has been faithful, and I wanted to be the first to let you know. Now, why invite you in uh, at this moment? Uh, we've, got, we've got two weeks until closing. In fact, the land can be closed on this next week. There is nothing I'm holding us back to that. But why, why go ahead and, and say that without telling you exactly where it is and, and all the details? Well, here's the reason why. We want you in on the process. We want you to have this prayer investment in our future home and our land. And over the next two weeks, we want you to commit to praying over and for this land, sight unseen. Sight unseen. Why? Because listen to me, anytime a church and a ministry buys land, you are taking ground from an enemy. And we want to do everything we can to pray up this land. So our, our goal is, and over the next two weeks, is to close on, on the land and on the property. And on June 4th, we have already put dozens of hours into creativity and planning on this. We are going to celebrate what will be the future home of Connect Church with you now. Oh yeah, hey, come on. We've been, we've been so excited about this. And I want to say this as well. God has been so faithful in the year and a half since we launched our vision, this year and a half of, uh, of raising funds to, to buy land. I want to say God has been faithful and you've been faithful in giving. I'm just so grateful. I can't wait to share with you that as we see the fingerprints of the Lord all over this land, really the God story, the God story behind this land and are going under contract for it. And so if you are in town June 4th, man, we want you here on Sunday. If you're not in town, I need you to fly back in town just for Sunday. You can fly right back out. I think we have an international airport here in Sevierville right down the road. I want you to fly in and fly out as we get to celebrate uh, this together. Now, uh, you might be tempted uh, to, uh, to find my mama or one of my staff. Say, hey, really, where is it? Where, where, where is that land? Listen, I have, and I've told them, here's what we say. Man, all I can tell you about the land, it is a land flowing with milk and honey, and that is all they can say about the land at all, uh, because we want to honor 
the folks who are, who are selling us the land. We don't want to send out a thousand people to drive over their land today. And so we want to make sure that contract is final. And so we ask and we motivate and we want to mobilize you to pray uh, for us and that the closing would go well. By the way, nothing in it says that it won't. Everything is going absolutely great. But man, would you pray and commit to pray with us over the next two weeks? And then on June 4th, we'll come in. We're going to celebrate this God story together as a church family. So stinking excited. Hey, I want to do this. Open your Bibles to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. We continue in our John series today on what is the 32nd message in the Gospel of John. And it is here in John chapter 6 that we are introduced to the first I am statement that Jesus makes. Out of seven, we're introduced to the first one. Let me share with you the seven I am statements found in the Gospel of John. Here in John chapter 6, we're going to find Jesus say, I am the bread of life. In John 8, 12, he'll say, I'm the light of the world. In John 10, 7, I am the door. Jesus would say in John 10 that I'm the good shepherd. In John 11, that I'm the resurrection and the life. In John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in John chapter 15, Jesus would say, I am the true vine. Today we celebrate Jesus, who is our bread of life. And we're going to bite off a little bit of this text in John chapter 6 this Sunday. We're going to finish it out next week. So for the next two weeks, you and I together in the Word get a chance just to feast on the bread of life, who is Jesus. In fact, twice in John chapter 6, Jesus would call himself the bread of life in verse 35 and verse 48. Jesus would use the very bread that he created earlier on in the chapter miraculously as an object lesson as to why God would send him down from heaven to us. And so in today's text, we're going to see two types of bread. We're going to see the, the physical bread, which brings nourishment to the body temporarily. But we're also going to see a spiritual bread, who is Jesus himself a bread that not only nourishes the body but the soul a bread that can save and satisfy a man's very soul those are the two types of bread that are talked about in the scripture you see the physical bread is what the crowd gathered that's what they're really after but there's a spiritual bread that shows us why Jesus is after them they, they don't want the spiritual bread yet. You know why? Because they don't know how much they need it. And we're going to see that here in John chapter 6. Now, you might say to yourself, Anthony, what's the big deal about bread? What, what's the big deal about bread? Bread is one of the greatest miracles out of all of God's creation. Can I get an amen? Man, listen, I love this stuff. So I thought maybe to open up, I'd share with you some of my favorite bread, okay? Went down to Food City and bought... Now listen... I'm going to start out with a bread, and this is a loaf of multigrain bread. Let me tell you why I put it in here. Not because I eat it. I hate multigrain bread. When you start taking gravel and sticks and putting it in a loaf of bread, I didn't call it multigrain. But it's like a salad to me, and so I throw it in there just to feel better about myself. But here's some of my favorite breads in all time. Now, this is the French baguette. I love me some French baguette. Only thing I love from France are their fries and their baguette, right? Love them. It's a good type of bread. That gets to the top of the list. The Italian 
ciabatta bread. Man, I love, man, I'm an Italian, that's my heritage. Give me some of that ciabatta bread. Man, I love, I love sourdough bread. Anybody else sourdough bread fan? Man, you toast this up with some butter and jelly, it's just incredible. Love the smell of it. Oh, anyway, I love, I love sourdough. But I'm going to tell you my favorite kind of bread on the planet is the bread they use to make these things. <laughs> now look, I don't know. I don't know what kind of bread it is, but I know if you fry it and drizzle some sugar sauce on there, I'm going to tell you, it'll change your life, right? It'll change your absolute life. But there's a second thing about bread, even more so than my favorite bread. That bread is a staple in so many diets around the world. Especially true for the Jewish people. Bread was incorporated into nearly every meal and into every celebration. God ordained bread to be broken and eaten in many different of his feasts and festivals. Bread is symbolic in the Old Testament of how God would feed the souls of his kids. I love this from an author. She writes this. Bread is the silver thread running through Scripture. A reminder of God's promises and provision. Manna in the desert in Exodus 16. Elisha's miracle in 2 Kings 4. And the provision of wheat for Ruth in Ruth chapter 2. As essential as the baguette is to the French. As essential as the ciabatta is for the Italians, as essential as the pita bread is for 4,000 uh, 4, years to the Mediterranean and the Middle East, as essential as Krispy Kreme donuts are to my diet, L- listen to me, Jesus is the essential soul food, the bread of life that not only saves but satisfies the soul of everyone who would by faith Eat from him. I I love going to restaurants. Listen, one of my favorite restaurants is Pottery House. Anybody ever been to Pottery House restaurant? And so we go in there several times a week, and uh, and, and I love love sitting down at a table, and a waitress will come up and go, hey, would you like some bread with your meal? And in my mind, I'm going, look at me. Why don't you just look me over once, and why don't you ask that question again? Yes! Man, I want some bread with my meal and bring it by the loaves, right? Just bring several loaves. We'll, we'll do away with it. In John chapter 6 today, really the question of the text is, hey church, would you like some bread? Would you like some bread today? So let me catch you up. We're here in verse 25 of John chapter 6. We're 24 hours out from the feeding of 5,000 men and countless women and children with just a Jewish lunchable. Jesus has already sent his disciples into the storm and he has walked on water to go after them. The crowds that he fed there at the feeding of the 5,000, they have found Jesus again. He is in a synagogue in Capernaum and he is preaching. And here's what they want. You ready? Not more Jesus. They simply want more bread. Watch this in verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when would you gear? And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you. That phrasing there, let me remind you from earlier sermons. That phrasing there says, listen, I want you to be quiet and I want you to listen because I'm about to share with you truth. I'm about to share with you something very important. And he says, You are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but watch this, 
because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Notice Jesus doesn't answer their question of when did you get here. Rather, he answers the condition of their heart, their motivation, their very mindset. While we see that this crowd of people were after more bread, more importantly in the text, Jesus, the bread of life, was after them. For many earlier in John chapter 6, just 24 hours earlier, they were too busy either eating lunch or too far away from Jesus to appreciate that miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. They missed it. They missed Jesus. Their concern, their focus was still on the temporary before them. Whereas Jesus wanted to set their sights on the eternal. Watch this in verse 27. And Jesus tells them, do not work. Hey, by the way, we're not talking the theology of work here, right? Too many America have taken this to heart right here. <laughs> Do not work. That's not what he's talking about. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father, watch this, has placed his seal of approval. I want to back up here because I want you to be careful. This is not a call to not work for your bread. In fact, it is biblical to work hard for your bread. Let me give you a quick theology on work. God created work in Genesis 2.15. Therefore, work is to his glory and our good. Long before sin entered the picture in Genesis 3, man was ordained by God to work. Work was not part of the fall, was not part of the curse. It existed before it. Therefore, for a man who is physically able to work, to not work, it is sin plain and simple laziness is for losers biblically and work is for the winner and the warrior i want to say this to so many in our community and so many around our nation you ready in jesus name get to work get to work but there is work work you and i cannot do we cannot work for or produce bread that leads to eternal life like Jesus talked about. There is only one who can do that. And listen to what the verse says. And he comes with God's seal of approval. Now, I love that. You see, in ancient days, a seal was an engraved object. In some instances, a ring was used to make a mark. Such a mark that would show ownership or approval of something. By pressing that seal into heated wax... That was attached to a document or letter. Placing a seal on something meant to certify that something is so. That it is the real deal. God had certified that Jesus is his son. And that Jesus has God's seal of approval. You ready? The bread of life is FDA approved. And here's what FDA stands for. The Father's divine approval. Hey, that's a little corny, but I really wanted to throw it in there. Jesus knew that the crowd wanted the physical bread. But more than just physical bread, Jesus wants them to hunger and to crave and to desire spiritual bread. He knew he wasn't the bread they wanted at their table. But he also knew that he was the bread of life that they needed most in their hearts. Let me ask you this. 
What kind of bread do you want at your table? What kind of bread do you want at your family's table? At the table of your friends and your community? What kind of bread are you bringing to the tables around the world? Bread that merely sustains life? Or bread that gives life? Now watch this as the crowd responds to Jesus in verse 28 and 29. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the work God requires? Isn't it amazing they immediately pivot to works? How do I earn this? How do I make this happen? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one who he sent. Man, by the way, good Jewish response here. If you were a Jewish guy and you responded this way, you're a Jewish lady, man, this was right. Because they had long been bullied by religious leaders into believing that salvation was based on their works. But Jesus, man, he sets them straight here. You know what he's saying in a sense? No, 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 no. I'm not asking you to bake the bread. I'm asking you to believe in me, the bread of life. Can I remind you the only part you and I play in her salvation is we do the believing? Watch this in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace in which you say, hey, not baking bread, but by grace in which you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by baking bread, not by works, so that nobody can boast. So I want you to hear me, church. It is not by the baking of bread, but by believing in the bread of life that our souls are saved. I love this thought that every religion in the world is a religion of do, while only Christianity is a religion of done, namely what Christ has done. For us. But I want you to take note in verse 27 that Jesus again in the Gospel of John brings up eternal life. A constant theme. This thread that runs throughout the entire Gospel of John. Uh, Pastor J.D. Greer noted this. He said when the Bible talks about eternal life, it's not just talking about existing forever. That's actually the definition of hell. In hell, you go on existing forever, just apart from God. You could say that really there's two options for eternity. A place of eternal existence, and then there's the place of eternal life. God offers eternal life, not just an eternity of existence. Eternal life is not the quantity of time, but the very quality of Experience. And can I remind you today that Jesus is the only dealer in eternal life? Amen. He is the bread of life. And you don't even have to bake the bread. You just have to believe and eat the bread of life by faith. And so they asked him, man, this is so typical people in that day. And it's so typical people today. Watch what they say to Jesus. So they asked him, what sign... Then will you give that we may see it and believe you. What are you going to do for me today, Jesus? And we look at that and go, man, what did they just sit through? But before we're too hard on them, I see a whole lot of us in them. I see a whole lot of you and me in this very response here. What are you going to do for me today? You know, if I were Jesus, I got to thinking how I'd respond. And here's how I'd respond. Seriously? Hey, the whole water into wine thing wasn't enough. 
The healing of the official son from 20 miles away doesn't do it for you. The paralytic men sitting poolside at Bethesda who now walks, that isn't your cup of tea. And you didn't get enough bread. You didn't get enough fish when I multiplied that little boy's Jewish lunchable just 24 hours ago. That's how I answered him. And that's yet another good reason why I'm not Jesus. Because Jesus goes differently. It's not how he would answer. They wanted more signs. Because the slice of the bread of life was just not enough. Uh, film director Woody Allen was quoted saying this when asked about what it would take for him to believe in God. And here's what he said. If God would give me some clear sign like making a large deposit in my name at a Swiss bank, then I would believe. Hey, hey Woody Allen, no you wouldn't. No you wouldn't. Like Woody Allen, they wanted to first see and then believe, yet that is an inversion of how God orders it. Faith in God is to believe. And then you and I, we begin to see. What they needed was not more signs, but a slice of the bread of life by believing in Jesus. Maybe you are here today, and the testimony of your life is, hey, listen, I will believe in God when he gives me a sign. Let me caution you and let me warn you. If a sign is what you're after, you will never believe in God. You will never believe in him. You don't need a, sli a sign today. What you need is a slice of the bread of life. Speaking of signs, the rabbis, the religious leaders in that day, taught that when the Messiah would come, he would replicate the miracle of manna from heaven that we see in Exodus chapter 16. If Jesus really and truly is sent by God, then let him prove it by causing manna to fall from heaven so the crowds could be delighted. Watch this in verse 31. They even say so. Our ancestors ate the man in the wilderness. As it is written, they start quoting scripture to Jesus who wrote it. Anyway, give them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, and remember that language? Hey, quiet. And listen to truth here. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you, watch this, the true bread. Jesus says, the true bread from heaven. So let me simplify this. You ready? Track with me here. The crowd compared Jesus' feeding of the 5,000 as small potatoes compared with what Moses did in the Old Testament, which was to, to feed the entire nation of Israel with manna or bread from heaven. So Jesus, if you want me to believe in you, we want to see you feed all of us on the same scale God did with Moses and the manna. We need to see you outdo Moses for us to believe in you. Be like me coming up to Jesus. Go, hey, Jesus, your miracle, little Jewish Lunchable, what you did with that kid's lunch, that's all right. Okay. But today we want to see the really big miracle. How about bread from heaven every day? Hey, it was cool what you did yesterday. What are you going to do for me today? You know what the crowd's crying out for? A welfare state. 
all the bread they could eat with none of the work. And you know what that tells me? They are still focused on what is temporary. They're focused on filling their stomachs. And yet their souls remain empty. And so Jesus quickly corrects them. He says, listen, it wasn't Moses who was the source of that manna, that bread from heaven in the Old Testament. It wasn't Moses. It was God who sent it. And by the way, that manna, that bread from heaven that fell in Exodus 16, did so to point you to me, Jesus, who is the bread of life. And here's what he says in verse 33. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Again, Jesus, make the miracle happen every day. Bring down bread from heaven. Always give us this bread. And then Jesus declared, wait a second. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And there it is. The first I am statement from Jesus. I am the bread of life. Fitting that Jesus who was born in Bethlehem, and the word Bethlehem means house of bread, that from the house of bread would come the bread of life. But what is apparent in John chapter 6? He wasn't the bread they were after. That was the bread they were after. He wasn't the bread they wanted at their table. They wanted different bread. They wanted Jesus to satisfy their their flesh, but not to save their souls. They had, listen, they had filled stomachs, but empty souls. And that is the condition of so many outside of these walls And so many of us inside of these walls today. We have the greatest nation. We live in the greatest nation on the planet. There is wealth and there is freedom in our nation. We have a nation where we have plenty of food on our tables. For most of us, our cupboards are full. Our pantries are overflowing. In a sense, you ready? We have all the bread we want. And yet... Our souls are still empty. And you say, Lanthony, how can it be that we have all the bread we want, yet our soul is still empty? You ready? Because we are turning to, and we are consuming, we are eating the wrong kind of bread. We are trusting the wrong type of bread to fill our souls. Now listen, hopefully by now you understand, when I speak of bread, I'm not talking the French baguette. When I speak of the wrong kind of bread, I'm not talking about, no, actually I'm talking about multigrain. When I speak of the wrong kind of bread, I'm not talking Italian ciabatta, I'm not talking sourdough or pitas, I'm not talking about Krispy Kreme donuts. I'm talking about what you and I go to, the bread that we eat, that we hope will fill our souls, but wind up only filling our stomach, leaving us never satisfied and our souls empty. Don't believe me? Sit across the table from an alcoholic. 
in their sober mind, they will weep and they will, they will mourn the grip alcohol has in their life. You see, alcohol is one of those wrong breads we go to thinking, you know what, maybe it'll satisfy, maybe it'll fill me up. And you know what, for a season, for some hours, it will fill our stomachs, and yet it leaves our soul more empty and emptier and emptier. It satisfies less and less. Yet we keep going back to it. And we're eating the wrong kind of bread. For some of us, the wrong kind of bread is what happens when we go to the cabinet in the bathroom and we take out prescription drugs that are not ours. And we abuse prescription drugs because we're going to some bread to hopefully satisfy us and we're eating some bread that we're hoping will fill our souls. And every time you go and every time you abuse those prescription drugs, every time, you are left less and less satisfied and more and more empty. Why? Because you got the wrong bread. You're eating the wrong bread. I mean, marijuana becomes more and more legal. Remember that, that drug that is not addicting that you're addicted to? And man, you, you gotta have it. And I watched marriages split over this. Teenagers rebel and run away from home from a drug that's not addicted that they're addicted to. And what happens is, is man, they go and they grab this wrong bread and man, they're trying their best to fill their lives, to find satisfaction. And you know what it does? It leaves them less and less satisfied and more and more empty. Hey, can I tell you some other bread we chase after? How about our image that we project on Instagram? How about, how about the view of our life, this image we project so that everybody else can think everything is perfect while behind the scenes, man, all we're doing is we're consuming rotten bread. This as long as people think everything's okay, when nothing is, and what's happened is, is we sit down at the table and we start eating from the wrong bread. And time and time again, we sit down and we eat from it. And we are less and less satisfied and we are more and more empty. How about wealth? If I just made enough money, if I could just have enough money or fame, if I could just eat from that bread for a while, listen, I will be satisfied, my soul will be filled, and every time somebody reaches that point, you realize this. That this dream of wealth, this American dream that I thought would make me happy and fill my soul, it has left me less and less satisfied and more and more empty. One of my favorite, one of my favorite actors growing up was Jim Carrey. Now, he played in a lot of Batman movies. He, he did the movie called Dumb and Dumber, which defined a generation, right? And man, I love Jim Carrey. He's gone a little cray-cray in the past few years. I loved his movies. He was interviewed one time, and he gave this advice. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and have everything they've ever dreamed of so that they can see that that's not the answer. Hey, can I baptize that a little bit to today's message?
Philip, on all the bread this world has to offer, fill your stomachs full and your soul will still be empty. Until, by faith, you take a slice of the bread of life, who is Jesus, and you eat from him. I'll be honest, the reason I can preach so passionately about this bread is because I know what it is to sit at the wrong table and to eat the wrong kind of bread. Every person in this room knows that. Minus our beautiful little babies. Every one of us know that. You're saying, Anthony, you're saying, I could still be a Christian and I can at times still feel empty? Absolutely. Even as believers, we go, you know what? That's the old bread. All right, look, that's the old man. I ain't never going back to that bread. That's old bread. But in seasons in our life, we find ourselves going back to the old bread. Man, it is moldy. It is decaying. And yet we buy into the lie. Hey, remember how good that bread tastes? Hey, you remember how that old bread used to fill you up? Remember. How satisfied you were with that old bread. And we buy into the lie. And we walk away from the table with the bread of life. And we break our fellowship with him to sit at the wrong table with the bread of the world. And even as believers, you ready? Even as believers, we know what it is to eat from the wrong bread. And be less and less satisfied. And more and more empty. So the invitation today from John chapter 6, is you ready? That of the psalmist in Psalm 34a. To taste and see that the Lord is good. That if you have never by faith eaten from the bread of life, that today you would taste and see that the Lord is good by faith. For the believer today, It's to realize, man, I got some old bread lying around. I got some bread that's molding, that's decaying. I got some old bread lying around, and you know what? It's time to throw it out. It's time to get rid of it and never go back to it again because every time I go there, I leave less and less satisfied and more and more empty. Hey, believer, What's that bread in your life? That old bread you keep coming back to. The good thing about preaching a message like this is I don't have to know that old bread in your life because all of us have it. And maybe today our response to this truth that Jesus is our bread of life, that we have tasted and seen that he is good, is to take a look at that old bread that's lying around and say, uh uh not anymore. I'm throwing it out. Because I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And all that bread ever does leaves me less and less satisfied and more and more empty. And here's how I want to close today. You might ask the question, 
Why would God send the bread of life to us? Broken people. In fact, in this sermon that Jesus preaches in Capernaum, in John chapter 6, seven times, he makes a statement that God had sent him down from heaven to us. And honestly, that make a whole lot of sense to me why he would do so. Why would we get this bread of life? Uh, this right here is Joseph Damien. He was a minister of the gospel in the early 1900s. He looks rough here towards the end of his life. Disease has taken over his body. But in Molokai, Hawaii, there were a colony of people who were lepers. They had a devastating skin disease that caused them to be outcast and that would le leave them with horrible, disfiguring type disabilities. They were leper colony, sent to this small island away from everyone else they loved and they knew away from all society. Why? Because they were lepers and nobody wanted them except for this guy, Joseph, who saw their desperation and their hopelessness and decided as a healthy man to live among those lepers. And every day he'd get up, he'd meet them in the chapel, and he'd share the gospel with them. Throughout the rest of the day, he would sit down with them by campfires and to share meals with them, knowing that leprosy was highly infectious. It didn't matter to them. He loved Jesus, and Jesus loved them, and so he went, and he ministered to them. One day before he was to preach that morning, he was out by the fire. He'd warmed up some water and got hot enough to have tea. And as he began to grab a cup of water, uh, the water sloshed out of his cup and that hot water fell on his foot. And it took, him, it took him a moment and he realized something that terrified him. I did not feel the hot water on my feet. And so he grabbed that cup again. And this time on purpose, he stuck out his foot and he poured hot water on his foot and to his horror, he felt nothing. He was gripped with a sudden fear of what this could mean. And so that morning, with tears streaming down his face, he walked into the chapel to share the God's word with those lepers. And no one first, at first noticed that on that morning, his greeting was different than it had ever been. You see, every time he stood up to preach, he would address the crowd, those lepers, and say, my fellow believers, yet on this day, he looked at them and said, my fellow lepers. For he had contracted that devastating disease as he loved and he ministered to them. My fellow lepers, why did the bread of life come down? Why did Jesus come down from heaven to us? I'm reminded of a passage like 2 Corinthians 5.21 that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might be the righteousness of God. He who did not have leprosy became leprosy so that you and I could eat of the bread of life. 
who is Jesus and live forever. So as we celebrate the bread of life in John chapter 6, we celebrate the fact that God sent Jesus to us to take our leprosy, to take our disease of sin, and that by faith in Him, eating from the bread of life, you and I might have life. We might have life in Jesus. So maybe, just maybe today, believer, it's time to throw away the old bread and continue to feast on the bread of life who is Jesus. Let's pray together, can we? As we pray, Hey, believer, I wonder if you wouldn't allow the Holy Spirit for a minute to expose to you that old bread you got lying around. Old sins, old temptations, old addictions that you got lying around that in moments of weakness or stress, when things aren't going great, you, you run to the cupboard, you grab that old bread, Bind into the lie. Remember how good it tastes. Remember how well it's satisfied. Bind into that age-old lie of the enemy. And before you know it, you're eating from the wrong kind of bread. And you, and you are less and less satisfied and more and more empty. How crazy does that sound when we realize that Jesus is the bread of life? who not only satisfies, but who saved our soul. And so I wonder if believers right now, right now where you are, if you wouldn't begin to name the type of bread, that old bread you got laying around, and the Holy Spirit's going to illuminate that in you, He's going to expose that in you, and right now I wonder if this, all across this room, we couldn't begin to confess the old bread we got lying around. And through repentance, say, you know what? Jesus, I'm going to find that old bread lying around. And I'm throwing it out. I'm cleaning house today. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.